now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hopalong John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes to chase trout, crappie, or bass, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hopalong, John Cassidy. Thank you, Mark Larson and Southern California. Welcome to another Sunday edition of Rod and Real Radio. I am your host, Hopalong, John Cassidy, and we want to welcome you to the show. We do have a fantastic show lined up for you tonight, live here at the Angler's Arsenal Studios in La Mesa. We have Bill Simitel with us, and if you don't know Bill's name as an everyday uh, type of a name that you uh, know in the fishing industry, Bill has been fishing since the early 80s here in Southern California and has helped design a lot of the major lures that we're fishing with today. We're going to go down that history, and I know Stan's going to be interested in that because Stan, in in some ways, was working hand-in-hand with a lot of these guys. So we're going to talk a lot about the history of the lures that you're fishing with today. So Bill Sumatel's with us. And then at 6.40, we're going to try and catch up with Matt Santora. And if you don't know Matt's story, all I've got to tell you, it is a remarkable one. The 2015 fishing season has been filled with remarkable stories. But Matt and his friend, just to uh, give you a little bit of a taster, have a story that goes 662 pounds and happened just nine miles off the San Diego coast. Hopefully we'll be able to catch up with Matt. But before we do all that, let me introduce to you the co-host of Ron Real Radio, First, he is the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT, and a pretty good fisherman in his own right, too. Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, good evening to you. Well, good evening, John. Hey, Billy Boy. How are you, buddy? Very good. Long time, bud. Yeah, well, you know, this is going to be cool, because there's a lot of great history about our industry that people don't know, so I'm all in, bud. I'm in. I love it. You know, yeah. You know, Bill and I have been talking a little bit, and the reason why uh, Bill is here is that uh, as soon as we finish the Rod and Reel radio show tonight, Bill and myself and a bunch of other fishermen, we're going to hop down to H&M Landing and, and hop aboard the Sea Adventure 2, Chuck Taft's boat, and we're going to go out there and see if we can whack some fish. We were supposed to go out last week, but I've got to tell you, <laughs> what a class operation. Well, wait a minute. I'll tell the story, but... Let me introduce to you the other co-host of Ron Real Radio. She is the national sales manager for Iserline and a rep for many other fine products in the fishing industry, Miss Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, good evening to you. Good evening. Hello, Bill, and uh, let's go catch a marlin on one of your baits. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like that same Wendy. thing. I like Wendy. She's right up my alley. You know, uh, Stan, Wendy, Bill, i got to tell you about a class operation last Sunday, uh, and we want to thank all you people that got back to us. The last uh, 30 minutes of Ron Real Radio was a recorded segment going over some of the interviews that Ron Real Radio did at Lake Mead at the U.S. Open, and thanks. We got a lot of great comments on that and the interviews, but we all pulled up stakes and went down to H&M Landing, got in line, and Got ready to get on the boat, and at about 30 minutes before we get on the boat, Captain Chuck Taft came up to us and said, John, he said, I've just come on back from the fishing grounds. Right now, the wind's blowing at uh, 15 to 20 mile an hour. There's six-foot seas. It's supposed to even get worse out there. Now, there's two things you can do. You can go out there and beat yourselves up, and the boat will take it, or what you can do is I'll give you guys all the same deal. Come back next Sunday night and go fishing with us. Now, this is a class act because a lot of the boats went out there knowing that this was happening. Some of the boats didn't. Those boats that went out that night that got beat up pretty good, the ones that went down south, some of the people were even got uh, hurt. Um, and a lot of them turned around, came back, gave their uh, passengers uh, their fares back. Some of them went out there and caught fish. Some of the fish went, uh, the guys went north. But we decided to uh, put a fork in it and go fishing this weekend. And I got to thank Captain Chuck Tapp because all those guys missed out on a paycheck, but their main concern was our fishing experience. And I want to thank the guys at uh, Adventure Sports Fishing for doing that because, Bill, now we get a chance to go out and the conditions are ideal. Perfect. Yeah, when you look at something like that and he's looking at safety. You know, that I was uh, I was pretty pleased, and I don't get to do this like you guys and Stan and Wendy. Um, this is a treat for me. So it worked out with the fire department to come back down, and uh, I'm I'm ready. I got my big bait rods ready. I'm ready to go out there and hook a marlin, like Wendy said. Well, you know what you need to do is make sure you wire up those baits because anytime you get next to a kelp, you could you might just end up with wahoo. This is the most amazing right. year, Billy. <laughs> People are catching them where they shouldn't be left and right. So you, what a cool opportunity for you. Oh, yeah. Hey, Bill, you know, one, yes, of my, uh, one of my friends just launched out of Newport and got a 50-pound Wahoo just right out of Newport. So you oh. guys are even cheaper. <laughs> See, I'm old enough to remember the 97, you know, heat wave coming through, and we got out there, and we, we had a phenomenal year that year, too. So, yeah, it's just it's it's. Mark going to be another incredible El Nino, and um, like I said, I want to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, and, you know, Stan, I know when you go out on your trips and uh, the Ron Real Radio trips that you run, you, uh, one of your uh, big contributors to that is Gamakatsu, and, again, we've got to thank Gamakatsu. Amen hey, there. Bro, man, they've come up with some good stuff for us that we're going to be giving out to the guys and using ourselves. uh uh, sponsor of the show, but you know what? They are great products, and we enjoy using them for sure. Well, we've got a, I mean, even on our long-range stuff, all of the guys are a lot, you know, we've had a huge turnover from guys using other hooks to the Gamagatsu hooks, even on our 13, 14-day trips for the big fish, which is pretty big change for uh, uh, the industry here. What we've seen more and more guys turn to the, to the Gamagatsu hooks. We never have any malfunctions or failures, and that's really been the secret, and the, and the guys really love that their solid ring has no weld on it, so you don't have anything rubbing 
against your line or your leader on those. So, and we've been, you know, as bass fishermen, I've been using Gamagatsu hooks. They've been a sponsor of mine forever, but most of the guys that fish and that are successful use gummies. So I know Billy does, so that's just part of our gig. You know, and, hey, Wendy, we have been running our spooling machines ragged, and for the most part, uh, filling up everyone with good Iser line. But it, it, it's amazing. Everyone's got their own favorite Iser line. And, and for this bite that we are seeing right now when it comes to the Triple X or it comes to the Platinum line, can you give us any suggestions or guidelines on what you think the guy should be spooling up with? Well, you know, it depends on the size of your bait. If you've got those little anchovies, the triple X works out well because it has low memory. So you'll, your little bait will be able to swim better. Um, if you want something with high abrasion resistance because you are battling on a sport boat, I would go with the first string or the platinum because it is a harder line. Um, but if you are using anchovies, you know, I would use it in the 20, 25 pound test. Well, I appreciate that, and that's a really good tip because, as I understand it right now, there are a lot of anchovies. If you can get bait, boy, the Evingham brothers are there working day and night to get bait into those bait barges, and with the demand for bait, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the guys, by the time they get there, uh, the bait has uh, already been used up, but, uh, you know. Well, you know, John. Yes? Last week I was on The Legend with Chuck. And we had anchovies and we had sardines, and the fish wouldn't touch the sardines. They wanted the little anchovies. Ooh. Well, then. So, uh, the little anchovies. Well, tell us then, Wendy, how how were you fishing different? Because in Stan, you can jump in on this, too. There's a lot of people that are out there that are fishing today that don't remember fishing with anchovies. So, Wendy, why don't you just uh, give us a little tutorial on that? You know, first thing you have to do is you have to throw light line. You can't sit there and throw a chovy on 50-pound test. It, it's a little hard to do. If you can, you need a rod with a little softer tip, longer, so you can cast it out there. And you want to use a small hook like a 4 or a 1. Um, biggest maybe a, a 1-0, but really the 4s work really well. Um, you know, another thing, too, is is if towards the end of the day, your bait's dying and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I didn't use bait at all on that trip, and between five of us, we had 150 fish. We were using those Colt snipers in the 60 gram, mm. which imitates a little anchovy, and we, and we were ripping the bait. All right. And you know, that's been, that's been a really good way to catch that fish out there, too. The other thing, uh, I mean, a lot of the guys had gotten away from this, but longer, you know, seven to eight foot or nine foot, whip stick that we used to have to use to, to catch the fish with the anchovies. You know, anchovy rod was a little different. That 196 uh, saber back when, which, you know, the Cal Stars still makes that that rod, 196.7 and 196.8. Um, longer rod with a softer tip. Nowadays, with the spectra that you were throwing, you can you can actually, it actually helps a little bit. Uh, you put it, we put a, a short mono top shot on that and then put, if you're going to put your spectra the mono and then your mono to fluorocarbon. Use the the seek the cigar knot, and when you tie your your fluorocarbon to your mono, leave when you pull your knot tight on that. Leave the bottom uh, bitter end of your of your knot a little longer. So you've got your mono that comes down to the knot there. Clip the the bitter end off of the top part. Leave the the little tag end that's hanging down there. 
towards your hook, leave that on there, tie your hook on, and then if you're going to put with the anchovies, everybody used to like to use split shot. Well, you don't want to put them on your line, you don't want to put them on your mono or your fluorocarbon because it, it'll uh, weaken the, the line in that spot where you clamp it on. But if you put it on that little tag end, you can put one, two, three, whatever you need on there. It'll help your anchovy get down and away from the boat. It'll help you to cast the bait, and it kills it as it's going down. So that's one of the little tricks I've been teaching some of the guys out there. But the anchovy, when the fish are on them, and, you know, they won't eat a lot of the other baits out there, especially this year with the bluefin when they were really, really picky until they got onto the chunk bite. That was a real secret. And, and Stan, how, again, how are you attaching that anchovy? Are you going through the collar? Are you going through the upper lip? Are you going across the snout or what? Well, I did two different ways on that. Um, and I was using the number four hooks were good, and I, I went up to the number two ringed gummies, the little the light wire uh, yeah. hooks that they have. They're, they're an offset hook. Um, you could either go through the nose or right underneath their pectoral fins. Um, there's a little hard. It would be like, you know, when you're butt hooking a bait, except for you're going right across their pectoral fins, and as you lower it down, you can lower them slow, and they'll stay upright, especially with a keeled, when you put the couple of weights on, and you let that out slowly, it'll keel that thing, and he'll sit upright and, and swim away from the boat, and it makes for very effective uh, tool when you're fishing that the bluefin and yellowfin that get picky. <laughs> now, uh, Wendy, uh, we, uh, uh, we're hearing a lot about fishing with the poppers, and, you know, Shimano's just come out with the poppers. We have the Spro poppers here at uh, Angler's Arsenal, and we're selling a ton of them. Uh, a lot of guys are using uh, spinning gear with that. I, I think we're seeing a real resurgence in big spinning gear. And and is the Triple uh, X the uh, line that you would recommend for that? No, when you use poppers, I like to use something that doesn't have any stretch. So I tie my um, spectra directly to my popper. And, right. and a hint, yeah. something with a silver belly. You, they were just sitting in the water and, and fish were coming up and nailing it. With a silver nice. belly. <laughs> well, you know, but yeah, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. I just went out and went to Daiwa, and I picked up a new uh, spinning gear outfit, and uh, I played with that, and uh, Ron Colby got to break in my new rod. Oh, Bill? Nice. Oh, Bill? It's just amazing when you guys are talking about this whole thing with the... The, the effectiveness of the smaller baits, the anchovies, um, how they're kind of getting away from the uh, sardines and all this stuff. And I know Stan's in this, and it's cracking me up because I look at things in linear lines, everything from ocean fishing to freshwater. There are so many things that have parallel lines. <clears throat> and what you guys are saying is no difference going to Castaic or Casitas or Pyramid or Pyru in September, October, when those fish start targeting the noceum, the smaller baits yep. compared to bigger baits. And the lines, the setups, everything, I think a guy who's very versed at going at cast ache and chasing the boilers um, on the smallest little baits and Stan and, and Wendy's talking about doing a longer rod tip and lighter. I'm thinking, okay, that goes back in the 80s and 90s when we were doing three-inch uh, sluggos on four-pound yeah. test line. And there's so many parallels. And I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not missing out. I'm going to go walk right into tomorrow, and I'm going to fish uh, the ocean off the Adventure 2 like I'm fishing Castaic Lake for boilers, you know, tomorrow. So Hey, you know, Bill, I, Bill. last week I went out there with uh, Ron, Ron Colby and the guys from Yamamoto Custom Bait. Uh -huh. They don't fish saltwater, 
but they used all their bass fishing knowledge and techniques. I mean, that's where they started ripping the, the, um, the, okay. they were spooning, you know, <laughs> and, and they were catching fish left and right. Not one of them used bait and they caught Dorado, yellowtail, yellowfin. I mean, they just had a blast. And, it and it's be, the same thing. It, it's the same thing. And that's, I think, just teaching people how to fish and everything. I know Stan and, and you and even John here, if you say, hey, if you went out there with a quarter-ounce cast master and an eighth-ounce on a spinning rod at Cast Egg trying to get a bass, which you guys are doing the same thing, catching these, these yellowtail and bluefin and, and wahoos and, and everything else. And it's just really crazy how, like I said, if you keep an open mind, fishing's fishing, and it, it crossed so many borders. Well, you're going to have a ball, Billy. That's all i got to say. There's, the fishing has just been off the hook fun. Um, our our five-day trip on the Top Gun, was, we got back a week ago, and it was just nuts. I mean, yellowfin and yellowtail. When you get to these kelp patties, too, keep an, if, you've got a, if you can wire up at least one iron or a bomb and you've got something you can throw 50-pound on. Well, you um, know what? Interesting is Spro... Um, We've been, Bob Catula and I, and we've been bugging them for years, and we knew the thing about how hard the bait's coming around this year, especially with the El Nino. Um, I've been working with the 6-inch swim bait, the Spro 6-inch, and we have them in mackerel and um, sardine. Right. And I, I'm weighting them, so they're they're like almost like an old Taddy 45, you know, in a 4 or 6-ounce. So I'm going to hook that up tomorrow and, and have that. So hopefully I can out throw John when we come up to the patties. No problem, Billy. I'm going to be pushing people out of the way like at Cast Steak when we're going off striper boils. And uh, I'm going to be trying to get a, a first shot with the swim bait or an iron at the patty. So Okay, let me let me give you a clue on that one. Do not throw at the patty. Throw, throw it away from the patty and let it sit for a few and, and let everybody all get tangled up and everything else with those fish because every patty is holding them. Yeah. And then start doing your slow wind. Hopefully, you, you won't get tangled up with everybody, and you can wait till the fish come and find it. And a lot of times, especially nowadays, if you've got that small 8-pound or 5-pound tuna on there, along with maybe some Dorado, almost every one of those patties got Wahoo on it. So All right. Hey, Stan, we're going to leave it at that. Thing. We'll come back to talking about that, but we got to take a commercial break right now. You're listening to Rod and Reel Radio on AM540 or rodandreelradio.com. As you've been listening to Bill Semitel here at the Angler's Arsenal Studios, our special guest. You've also been listening to Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshara. I'm your host, Hopalong John Casting. I'm just a referee tonight, but stay tuned. There's more Rod and Reel Radio to come. we got to take a break now. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford. 
knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El Cajon Ford.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Real Radio Line. <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. And Southern California, we do want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. So is Wendy Toshahar. Special guest in studio here is Mr. Bill Semitel. But you know what? we got to let the genie out of the bottle. This guy, he was in parts unknown last week. He had a full report to give us. He's got a full report tonight. So we're going to try and put 20 pounds of mud into a 5-pound sack and figure out what the heck is Phil thinking. Here's the voice of PFO Radio, Mr. Phil Friedman. Phil, welcome to the show. Hey, John, it is great to be with you and Wendy and Stan and your special in-studio guest. And, of course, everybody listening, it's really, really great. And I've got to apologize. I actually snuck away to do some fishing and got at a part of the island where 
you couldn't hear me, John, so I apologize for that. But even once, every once in a while, I even get to go fishing. So I'll tell you, yeah. it, it's been a lot of fun lately, and there's no end to this craziness. It's still going on. Did they let you catch fish, Phil? <laughs> we did okay. My sons uh, and I did okay. We found some kelps holding some Dorado and yellows. We were on a little private boat, and uh, we also came back into the rigs area, which we'll talk about in just a little bit, and found just all the bonita you could possibly want, as well as some yellows there. So really, really a lot of fun. A lot of fun fishing going on right now. And uh, as I say, John, there's just no stopping the craziness, and I don't see an end to it anytime soon. Well, you know, uh, Good. we're going to have a report tonight from uh, an individual that had a record catch. Hopefully, we'll be able to make contact with him. Last week, there was a young man that caught a 45-pound yellowtail off the uh, uh, Mission Bay jetty. And so the craziness is just beginning. And, you know, Stan's looking for that first yellowfin or bluefin off of one of the piers. I don't think it's too far behind. No, I don't either. And I've got the funny thing about the uh, catcher that that young man made that forty-five pound fish. Joaquin Espinosa is my co-host on our Spanish radio show, and a great kid. And he's been fishing that jetty with his dad for years and years and years. He loves going out there and fishing swim baits or big calicos. And he was telling me like a month ago that a yellow came up, a nice fish, like twenty, twenty-five pound fish, and boiled like twenty feet from the jetty, and he was. You know, just so stoked about it and couldn't wait to get back there. And then this young man comes up with, it has to be described as just a phenomenal catch. That is a beautiful yellowtail. I hope he's listening because that is a fish of a lifetime. And when you catch it from a jetty, my God, that just multiplies how great it is. But, hey, I'll jump into some of what I know. And sure. I've been out at an event at Plaza Mexico all day long today. And I want to say thank you to the hundreds of people who came out. We had a an event out there where we were. Uh, in uh, in a battle against the drought, and we had all kinds of water-saving devices that we were passing out to folks, and of course, we're talking fishing, and we had all kinds of great fishing trips from Oceanside, as well as Davies Locker, Newport Beach, Newport Landing, Pierpoint Landing, and so many others. Really had a great time, but let's head to San Diego and talk about that a little bit. We've been talking about Wahoo guys are coming up on kelps, and they're throwing bait, and the who are coming off of that stuff. And they're boiling around, and guys like Scott Mizell on the Condor get a couple of fish, several other boats with fish. There are plenty of skins around right now, and they're going to stick around as long as this hot water stays with us. Great yellowfin tuna fishing down there. Still mostly smaller grade YFT, but it's crazy fishing, crazy good, where you'll see hundreds of fish darting through the water. There's also Wahoo down that way. And for private boaters, they're running into more and more blue marlin all the time a good friend of mine jimmy decker had a blue marlin here recently really? and, and they're and they are nice ones i mean four to six hundred pounders was that you stan yeah i was just saying willie good good for him uh, i mean i i got bass fishermen that are giving up their bass boats matt newman who owns irod sean bailey lives over in, in havasu crazy as these bass fishermen are, are out in a 15 foot little tiny whaler and on the other side of Catalina and they got hooked up to a marlin they landed one and dumped some other one so hey, man, not this, only this that, is just nuts not only that my my twin sister was out she told me just a few minutes ago she's out on the 150 and they hooked up to the marlin <laughs> oh you're on the 150 on the 150 oh wow well you know well you know Stan and Wendy and, and Phil we've known for a long time 
the the pro bass anglers have always had an infinity for wanting to fish the saltwater because for them, it's an escape for them. You know, they go whenever they go freshwater fishing, no matter who it is, they're still always competing because if they're fishing with people they don't know or whatever it is. You know, someone wants to be taking a, a crack at them and say, hey, I fished better than so-and-so or, or this and that. You get them all out saltwater fishing, and, man, they let their hair down, and it is it is a, a day at the races because they don't have to compete against anybody. They can go out there, fish, and enjoy it. And it, it, it's amazing how many of the bass fishermen really do enjoy saltwater fishing. And Phil, I'm sorry we interrupted your, your report there, but uh, it... Uh, it's just a crazy season, as you were saying. It is, and to interrupt, you're adding to it. I mean, like Wendy said, this fish hooked on the 150. I think the last time I checked with George on the victory out of Pierpoint, he's had eight fish hooked while on the anchor in that general area. There was a day not too long ago, several weeks ago, actually, but Andy Surratt said he saw three guys, and Andy runs the Enterprise, saw three guys come into that 150, put marlin jigs in the water. All three of them had had hooked marlin within 15 minutes. The Spitfire was battling a striped marlin yesterday. Uh, so it just tells you how absolutely crazy it is. And I love those guys Stan's talking about in that, that little boat. I'm not quite that crazy anymore, but there was a time when I was out in, in a skiff out of Redondo. I can still remember we'd take off, and it had such a, a leak in it that we just made sure we had plenty of good bailing devices because, you know, within 15 minutes we're bailing the boat out hanging another big bonita, bailing the boat out, trying to catch a yellow. So I love guys like that, and, and, and it's just great stuff. We, as we move up the coast, you look off Oceanside, you look off Newport, it's not every day, but, man, there are some boomer scores on yellowfin tuna. You know, for the three-quarter day guys, not too long ago, they're out of Helgren's Oceanside a few days ago, the Sea Trek had limits of yellowfin tuna. The Newport boats have been all over the YFT and a lot of skipjack, just a lot of action going on out there in that neck of the woods. And some Dorado also. At Catalina Island, the boat pursued 50, 60, 70, 100 yellows on a regular basis. Really, really good. And then moving back into the coast, the double rig area, and i got to tell you, those double rigs sit right there about 11 miles off the coast, and we were out looking at kelps the other day, my kids and I, and Philip goes, I've been dying to go in there and hit that rig for so long. Can we go in there and check that out? So we went in there, and, man, it was just jugged with Bonita, but we also caught some yellows. And just a few days ago, the Southern Cal, I think it was 113 yellows he had. There's been some big hits out there on Yellowtail. That place is loaded up and still biting. Well, the 150 itself, uh, you know, up and down, the scores have been down from when they were so phenomenal. And I hate getting spoiled on this. Uh, a three-quarter day boat now goes out and gets 20 25 pound yellowtail and we're all saying oh man what's it's really bad now this is horrible fishing and i i just refuse to fall into that it's still pretty darn good it's not as good as it was and then moving further up the coast man the freedom saturday with all big great fish john and wendy and stan and everybody all big great bluefin limits of bluefin Ooh. tuna and how about 200 big yellows on the freedom on an overnight trip, it simply doesn't get any better. And Jeff Jessup called in, and just he was beside himself. Fishing was so good up in that neck of the woods. And he's got a day-and-a-half trip leaving Monday night out of 22nd Street Landing. And then he'll go back to his day trips on Wednesday. But just great fishing up there in the northern sector. And the Marlin oh, guys, you know, the private you, guys, 
are still fishing up north there, and they're doing great. Some hits on yellows out of Oxnard. It just goes on and on and on. Same thing up there out of Sea Landing in Santa Barbara. So, like I, I was saying to Buzz Brisson, I owner operator of the Prowler the other day. Pretty darn good fishing this time of year out of Cabo San Lucas. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Hey, Phil, was that were they up there on the Osborne? Um, yeah, I believe they were, Stan. I'm a little out of the loop because I was getting ready for this event, and but I, it's got to be there. That's where it's been. It's and that, those, that's where those kind of scores have been coming out. He also said he had some skipjack and yellowfin tuna, and all big grade up there, Stan. Well, yeah, we were we went up there on the second day of a five day of all of them wild wild things. I mean, we were at the uh, Cortez Bank for yellowtail and yellowfin. Ran up to the Osborne, limited it out for everybody before by noon. We had limits of bluefin and nice ones. I'm, they're still good quality fish. So that fish is still around. I mean, it's crazy how fun this is right now. It truly is. I mean, the variety of sport fish being caught in Southern California right now, from bluefin tuna to blue marlin and everything in between, is truly phenomenal. What a year. Now, Phil, what's been happening off Surfside? What can you tell? Is there... Is there any type of uh, surf fishing to be had right now with this warmer water? Because our beaches down here, we're getting 76-degree water right in the surf. You know, John, for the most part, we've seen a little bit slower fishing. Pretty good on the Corvina, but a lot of other species haven't been around. The other day, about three days ago, I looked out there and I go, whoa, look at the pelicans and birds picking. First time I've seen any bait here on the beach for a while because there's just been no bird life, and, and, you know, hence I figured no no bait. Well, uh, a couple guys uh, I know went down there, and they had just as wide open a yellowfin croaker bite as you could possibly want. But guess what else was in the surf? Really good bonita fishing, standing oh. flat-footed on the beach, me? throwing chrome crocodiles and catching bonita right off surfside in the surf, chasing bait up on the beach as if you were watching Sierras do that down in Baja. Really great. And then the next day followed by a totally down day. So it's inconsistent, but at times can be really, really good. Wow. You know, uh, I've been thinking about some of these events that you've been having, Phil, and you've been drawing tremendous crowds. But, you know, after this past week, why don't you send the Pope a note and ask him to come on down and join you in one of these? And I bet you you can double the number of people that show up for your events. <laughs> the Pope got a good good victory there for the Irish yesterday. They won 62 to whatever it was. No, get away they from me on that. Come on. They're, 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 let let's, let uh, the Domers, they've got to uh, play a good team here. Come on. Come hey, on. Yeah, no kidding. UMass is not uh, not up on the upper echelon. But um, you're right. I mean, even the Pope, uh, he's taking our lead, and he's uh, all over the environment and talking about taking care of the environment. So. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, John. He's heading back to Rome, so I think we're a little too late. Yeah, that's all right. Well, uh, Phil, just just a note. I don't know. Uh, I, we never like to uh, incur divine intervention when it comes to fishing, but a- any edge we can get to help is uh, definitely a benefit. Absolutely. Hey, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that. If the Pope can do anything to keep this going, I'm all for it. All right. Hey, uh, Phil, to keep up with all the things that you're doing, your blogs, uh, the the Spanish broadcasting, how how can we keep up with what you're doing? Because I tell you, you make my head spin. <laughs> I make it mine spin, too. And <laughs> once again, great event today at Plaza Mexico. i got to take my hat off to my wife, Ruth, who just worked her tail off and 
She's doing it with a couple of broken ribs, believe it or not. She took a little fall a, a few weeks ago, but she's healing up. But she worked her tail off today, and a bunch of other great people, too, that helped us out. Um, you can do that by going to www.pfomedia.com. If you want to do it in Spanish, go to p. Uh, pardon me. Go to www.aventurasalarelibre.com. And, of course, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Google+, and uh, also on Twitter. You can check us out there, and we'd love to uh, be able to connect with each and every one of you. And, of course, on Rod Real Radio every Sunday, which is a complete and great honor for all of us here at PFO. John, we thank you for that. Well, Phil, thanks a lot for all the work you did putting together all the, the, the catch reports and everything like that. We missed you last week, but uh, we appreciate the work that you put on in. And we look forward to speaking to you again next Sunday night on Rod and Real Radio. So tune in, uh, everyone. Not as much as I look forward to being with you and Stan and Wendy and, of course, all the wonderful folks out there. Thanks again, John. All right. Hey, we got to take a break right now. You're listening to Rod and Real Radio on AM540 or at rodandrealradio.com. If you missed any of tonight's show or any of our past shows, just go to ronrealradio.com, hit the archive button, and you'll see a listing of the dates of all the shows and the guests. And this show will be on probably about Tuesday or so, so make sure you check in there. Hey, we're going to take a break right now, but coming up next, Captain James Nelson with the California Inshore Report. Stay tuned. More to come. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy Line, Spro Products, Gamakatsu Hooks, G. Loomis Fishing Rods, Shimano Products, Ovet Reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. My Angler H2O. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here. And always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma 
back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockleys at your local fishing tackle dealer. And Southern California, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Man, sometimes there's a show behind the show, and we'll get to that in a little bit. My special guest here is Bill Semitel, and uh, we'll be talking to Bill. But before we do that, let's get to the California Inshore Report with Captain James Nelson. Captain James, a very good evening to you. How you doing, sir? A very, hey, a very good evening to you, John and family. <laughs> hey, it was good. It was good seeing you, and I want to thank you again. I had a chance to go out with you uh, last Sunday, and man, you put us on a bunch of fish. Uh, it would have been a lot nicer if there weren't as many sea lions traveling around with us. But considering the interruptions that we had from the sea dogs, uh, you did a darn good job bringing uh, fish uh, into the boat and home with us. So thanks a lot for that great trip, Jim. Any time, but all I did is drive the boat. You guys did the work. You had to do the pump and wine thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know yeah, you had absolutely nothing to do it. You know, uh, we did. We told you where to go. We told you where to stop. We told you what baits to use. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, man, if it weren't for you, heck, we probably would still be out there. Hey, <laughs> why didn't you get that 45-pound yellowtail stuff going? <laughs> yeah, really, huh? Well, you almost yeah, had a great whale sit on their boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we almost brought home one of those. Uh, Jim, I, I found out that turned out to be a humpback whale, but some of the guys that we had a close-up encounter with him, but unfortunately it was face-to-face, uh, and we saw the underside of his belly, so we never got a chance to see what was on his back. But I understand that was a, hump side, uh, a humpback uh, whale that uh, we uh, had the encounter with. Well, you know, I'll take anybody's word for that, and that's that's good enough for me. I don't need to get any closer than what we did. I thought that was great. Well, tell us how's how's the fishing been? You know, we we keep on talking about this offshore fishing. Uh, uh, we keep on talking about warm water. We keep on talking about exotic species. How are you finding it out there with uh, the people that you've been taking out this past week? You know, John, it's been great. Uh, we definitely are seeing a lot more yellowtail uh, as well as the bonita. Not seeing the, the barracuda that we were, but, you know, we're seeing the ones that we are seeing are pretty good size, and, and that's fun, getting a lot of lot of uh, calico bass action. And in deep water, too, we're out there sometimes 115, 120 feet, and uh, we're thinking we're going to hook up with the yellowtail or bonita, and, and lo and behold, it ends up being a calico bass. Like, whoa, where'd you come from? <laughs> and it's pretty neat because there doesn't seem to be any uh, visible kelp in sight. So it just—I guess that's where the bait is, and they're—they're they're following it. They're smart little critters that way. So hey, whatever. James, Jim, when, when did that barracuda move in? Is the, the good one? You know the 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 good action stand. I mean, has been up until the last, I'd say, a couple weeks. Uh, we're tapering off as far as how many, but um, just this. Just this week, we've been seeing them up to 40 inches pretty regularly. Ooh, so the ones really that we good. see, again, yeah, yeah, we'll take them. You know, they definitely make good pictures, even if folks don't keep them, you know, and, and they make good fish tacos for the ones that do. Yes, people know what to do with them. If you can, you know, gut them and, and throw them on ice quick, they, they it's like a mini wahoo. It does eat. People just don't know. You've got the dark line out, but it smokes up good, and it eats good if you want fish tacos. 
I, you know, I try to educate Stan and those who want to do it, great, you know, and uh, those who don't, that's, you know, that's their prerogative, it's their fish. <laughs> you know, uh, well, you know, Jim, when we were out, you uh, brought up an interesting point that I I really found uh, to be, uh, you know, really quite interesting with what was happening with the local kelp and a lot of the kelp patties that uh, we were seeing that were in the immediate coast area. Could you kind of go over that for me, uh, uh, us again, and and tell us what your uh, what your thought is on all the kelp patties we're just seeing right next to the kelp right now? Yeah, you know, it, it's almost a waste. I mean, we were even seeing them by the bait barge in San Diego Bay, you know. Uh, I mentioned that I took out uh, Robert from Phoenix and his uh, videographer, Gary. We were out today shooting some stuff, and on our way back, there they were, right by the sub base. These huge, beautiful kelp patties, the kind that hang down underneath. And I think, oh, what a waste. You know, and they're probably as mackerel biome, but, you know, you know, out in the ocean, out in the blue water, there would have been loaded with dodos and maybe yellowtail and even tuna. But, man, it's just, I, I think it's, uh, we're receiving some really big currents, you know, around the full moon. You could expect that. But it's just amazing just seeing a lot of that stuff come in and just uh, sit along the beach and just in the green water and just, oh, it I don't, what can I say? <laughs> it isn't getting a chance to actually start getting in the currents to go offshore and staying pretty close to the beach. So you, and I, I recall when we were coming back from La Jolla going towards uh, uh, the Mission Bay Jetty, there were kelp patties all over the place that if you wanted to stop off and, and try and fish every one, it would have taken us hours to get home. and uh, But they were right on the beach. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it is what it is. You know, that's the, that's the way that... The earth wants to move the kelp patties around. And uh, I haven't been, you know, in in the state where we've been out there on the, the patties myself. I mean, most of us have been, uh, most of my trips, we've been staying coastal, staying around the, the local kelp bed. So, you know, I can't report on what's going on as far as the kelp patties, but I can tell you I've seen a lot of good pictures, a lot of good fish, you know, both on Facebook and on all the popular fishing boards. So, Someone's getting out there on those patties while they're floating in blue water, and they're getting fish. So that that's a beautiful thing. Well, I'll tell you, the fish that are out there. I mean, it, we've had phenomenal. If you turn left out of out of the harbor there, and you get down anywhere from twenty to forty miles, a lot of the patties have that bigger yellow. I mean, the dorado on it. I mean, you'll have you'll end up with that eight to ten pounder. All of a sudden, you'll see a bunch of them that are twenty five to thirty five pound dorado. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get on any of these kelp patties. It's just nuts. It's fun because it's, you don't know <laughs> if anything could be there. You know, Jim, I'm, uh, uh, I was looking at the local news this morning, and we're looking at temperatures in the surf, 75, 76, 77 degrees right along the shoreline. How's that affecting the temperature in the bay? Are we seeing... The, that type of temperature uh, happening in the bay, and how is it affecting the fishing in the bays? You know, uh, the fishing in the bays, uh, the water started to cool off a little bit, which is nice, and I think that's going to pick up the bay. Again, you know, I, I can't speak from firsthand experience because we haven't been in the bay much. We have been around the mouth of the bay area, and we have noticed a lot of the uh, one- to three-pound bonita runs in there. We've been getting some calico runs right in around the uh, 
all around the cable crossing areas down up right near the mouth of the bay. So we're, we're experiencing some pretty good fishing in there. Uh, a lot of it's still fish that are up, and when they're up and active in the current, you can get them. We haven't been doing a lot of bottom-type fishing like your sand bass and your halibut-type fishing. Uh, but like I said, I haven't been in the bay much, so I can only r- r- report firsthand from around the kelp beds. And I can tell you, though, I'm seeing pictures and I'm hearing reports from friends, though, of getting anywhere between 20 and 50 spotties again. So sounds like wow. the spotty bite's picking up, but I can't report firsthand on that. How's this warm water affected that bonefish? That's a great question. Again, I haven't been on them. You know, I'd love to report on that, but uh, I do have a bonefish trip coming up in about a week and a half. So, you know, hopefully I'll get a chance to get out there, maybe with my uh, wrecking crew, go out there and, and find them and, uh, and get a report on those and get ready for the trip that I have booked. Hey, so James. Just, yeah, go yes, on, Woody. Just, just remember to give me a call when you get the first rooster fish. <laughs> yeah, you'll be the first person I call with. It'll probably be on the Iser line. Yeah, because <laughs> you know this is the new Baja. Yeah, even better. You hook up with those Jack Craval that are in the back of the uh, the bay. You know, Jim. It, it, you know, with this warm water and everything like that, if you could just give us some hints. I know there are some guys going out on the fly and they're doing fairly decent on the, on the bonefish. Uh, you don't necessarily do that, but what would be some of the techniques you'd be using if you were tar- still targeting bonefish? Are you are you going to go all the way in the back where the warm water is, or are you going to try maybe some of the areas that you know that they've hung out in the past, uh, you know, further out towards the mouth of the bay where you might find uh, more temperate water? Well, that's a great question, John. You know, chances are I I uh, would be willing to experiment. But I'm gonna hit. The, I'm gonna hit my waypoints first that I've got, kind of mid south, and check those out. The, the little deeper holes. I'm not going to go in the six to eight foot range where we normally catch them in the winter. Um, I'll probably I'll probably stick to the the little deeper stuff. I've got stuff that's uh, anywhere from twelve to twenty foot that we catch them a lot. And uh, when they when they get like this, when they start scattering in the deeper water, so that's what I'm going to start on first. And then you know around Harbor Island, Spanish Landing. You know, I've always heard reports and rumors of fish there, so I'll probably look for them there if my other spots don't pan out. But, again, you know, I've got my boys right now are on fall break, so hopefully if I can get them out of bed early enough to go fishing, we'll get them out there and we'll just go do an exploratory trip and maybe stop by Mitch's for lunch, you know, part way, try to make it fun for them so it's not all work. <laughs> you know, that that's one of the great things, uh, going out with you fishing San Diego Bay. Even if you have a full-day trip, you can go out there, and you can catch almost you know every species that you want that's running on out there. You can still have time to make it in the bay. You can stop off at a place of Mitch's, or you you've got more than one spot that I know uh, you know uh, charted out where you go out for lunch, and then you go back out again for the second part of the day, and you can uh, whack spotties and sand bass and halibut and whatever else that's biting. So it's a great time to be going out fishing with you, Jim. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, and it and it is. It's it's a lot of fun in our bay. There's so many spots. That bay is fourteen and a half miles long, and there's there's quite a few dock and dine restaurants. Whether you want to get uh, fish tacos or pizza or just a good general variety, I mean barbecue. I mean, just dock up, go out, and uh, grab something to eat, and get back out there. With, I like to do it right around when the uh, current's not moving, because you know how important that moving current is to that bay bite, and just. You know, just dock up and have fun, and 
And folks, you could do that anytime, you know, as a family, take take your skiff out there, you know, or your pleasure yacht, whatever you got to fish off of, and just dock up and have fun and, you know, fish for a little bit, have lunch for a little bit, go back out and fish for a little bit. Yeah, James, explain that, because not everybody understands that slack tide, how that works, and, and how it's a good time to go have lunch. Well, slack tide is... is Pretty much exactly that. And if you, if you look at any of the marker buoys or if you look on paper at your uh, tide chart, it'll tell you when that tide should be moving the most. And when that tide's moving pretty good, that's when the bite's going to be. And, you, and you'll notice, too, you'll, you'll catch fish like gangbusters, and all of a sudden it just slow down to a halt. And uh, that's time to go get something to eat. And whether you go to the Coronado Ferry Landing or you're down in the South Bay, you've got... Uh, You've got uh, the pier landings down there. Was at Pier 52? You've got the north end uh, around where Fisherman's Landing is. There's a bunch of restaurants there you could dock up, and it's just great time just to have fun in the bay. So you're not struggling and working hard. You can catch them during a slack tide, but you are going to struggle and you're going to work hard, and it's not fun. Fishing's supposed to be fun. You know, Jim, uh, we are talking about tonight uh, the super moon. Uh, eclipse of that supermoon that uh, we should be seeing uh, about, I think it starts at the 7-Eleven. But with the supermoon, did that also mean super tides? And can the tide be too too good that it affects the fishing? Well, it can be pretty strong at times, and it affects your lure more than it will the fish. So if, you're, if your presentation isn't getting to where the fish are, absolutely, John, it, it will affect the fishing in a negative way when it's moving too much. And really what that means is, like, let's say, for instance, you're throwing a three-quarter ounce weight will normally get you by on any leadhead on any given day in the bay, Uh, especially if you're fishing the deep channels. If, for whatever reason, you're not getting in that lower third water column where most of your bass species, your halibut, all that's going to be, and you're you're trying to get your lure down there and it's just flying up in the upper column where you might catch a mackerel, put on a heavier weight. You know, uh, sometimes we'll go up to an ounce and a half, or that's a lot of times where I'll go to the drop shot because I could put a two or three ounce uh, little lead on there, like say a dolphin weight or something like that, and about a foot and a half to two feet above that, I'll have my lure. I'll have you know just a jerk shad type bait, and that's a really good technique when that water is ripping. You know, and to uh, show you an example of that, we've got Andy Whitcomb on the Rod and Reel Radio Facebook site. He was fishing a tube, drop shotting. Uh, uh, just a regular uh, Zoom fluke, and the halibut he has is a halibut that anybody would be happy to uh, bring aboard on any given day. So that drop shop fishing uh, method really works. Jim, people want to get a hold of you, find out what your schedule is, uh, especially now where the kids are back into school or maybe take the kids out on a holiday or a break like they're seeing right now and they want to schedule in because you're the guy to go out with the families, how's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, they can always reach me on the website or even on the Rod and Reel radio website. And my site is thefishicon.com, or you can reach me by telephone, 619-395-0799. All right. Captain James Nelson, the fish icon. Jim, thanks a lot for being with us. You have a most successful week, and we look forward to speaking to you in the coming weeks. As the summer bite of 2015 continues, even though the calendar says it's autumn. Thanks a lot for being with us, sir. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. 
Hey, we're going to take a break right now. Stan, Wendy, and myself hop along. We're going to be back with Bill Semitel. We're going to talk about some of the lures that you use today and maybe get an idea how they came about and uh, just uh, some of the mechanics behind them. So stay tuned. Bill Semitel will be with us after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakey fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons and outsmart the ravenous river otter. I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes, and I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Quanta Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum. We are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal Mesa at 619-466-8355. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. In Southern California, welcome back to the second hour of Rod Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's here tonight. So is Wendy Toshihara, and our special guest tonight is Bill Sumatel, and he's with me live at the Angler's Arsenal Studios in La Mesa. And Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Hey, guys, we're going to... 
we're going to talk a little bit about uh, fishing with Bill. And, and Bill, I know we can get geeky tonight. We could probably <laughs> spend 35 minutes talking about how you put a split ring on to a treble hook. You know, you've talked to me before. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but what we certainly want to do is we want to talk a little bit about uh, you know you have this tremendous interest in fishing you have for a long time. Tell us a little bit about just how it started. Uh, you know, you got to always give credit to Dad. You know, he got me out hunting and fishing when I was little. And and lucky um, being, you know, growing up in San Fernando Valley, we're close to Castake, Pyramid, Piru. So, you know, we had a, a bunch of lakes to fish around at the time. And and we went out there, and, and I just remember Dad was old school. You know, we, we did stuff in an aluminum boat, you know, with a little 15-horsepower uh, Merc. And a trolling motor that we had to figure out how to put on a, a Valcro, and uh, we we hit the lake, and we did everything from trout fishing to pan fishing. We did everything. I mean, in from the Sierras everywhere. We just we just fished and hunted, and and I just remember when I was a kid, it kind of started as like you know you always tell Dad, hey, what's the biggest fish you caught? And oh, you know he caught an eight pounder at Handsome Dam in 1954, wow. and and he had a old you know mount that was in the house, and I'm always looking at it as a kid like on. I want to beat that. And, you know, Dad's like, whatever, kid. You keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. It ain't going to happen. And uh, eight years old, put on a dead crawler at Castaic Lower Lake and caught an eight-and-a-half-pounder and beat him. And he looked at me and just said, that'll never happen again, kid. And then <clears throat> everything broke loose. I just went crazy. Well, before we start going forward, your dad was best known for being associated with a bucket. What was that all about? <laughs> You know, and I know Stan knows about this. Years ago, um, history for us when I was growing up, you know, my dad was very educated, especially in in old school classic baits and lures. And anybody who knows my dad, he worked the Saga Swap Meet for years. And he sold sporting goods. And he sold old old school lures and everything else. And we were taught by an old Japanese guy um, at a Pyramid Lake in like 1985 on making wood plugs out of uh, the old oars you know, from the boat rentals. So my dad taught me, and, and we learned from this guy in 1985, how we made the old, you know, people would call it like an AC type of plug. We were doing that in 1985. So dad, man, being at the swap meet, we got everything from, you know, uh, coat hanger rods things from back of ch- uh, chairs to uh, pull cues, and, and dad would just carve all these lures up in the garage, and they used to call them bucket of lures. And, his, you know, the nickname was a BK lure, my dad's. And he used to walk around uh, Pyramid, Castake, the Lower Lake, and I mean, this is back in the 85 to 90s where we were mostly targeting stripers. And he'd sell those things for 100, 200 bucks. Oh they, my they, God! They used to call them bucket of lures, and uh, and it was crazy. And that and that's kind of how it started, you know. And I, I was dabbling with lure design, carving, as limited as it was. It was literally right now, 30 years ago. So then, what made the transition where you started going? To big baits, you know. Obviously, Western Plastics started in 1986, going to small hand pours. Right. It was about that time that you and a and a bunch of fishermen in the areas really started going to to big baits. And and at that time, the general consensus of opinion is these things are too big to catch fish. Yeah, and you know there wasn't that many people. You know, if if you threw in like old school guys like say Alan Cole, that was in the 90 91 area. Um, you know, you had Gary Harrison, you had Bob Krupe, and a lot, a lot of those guys were bait fishing guys. Yeah. Um, Dan Worm was actually one of the guys that pioneered the smaller tubes, you know, the, the Torah tubes. Um, 
Harry the Hat with the hat trick yeah. plug. There is, there is literally because I was there. You know, I, I mean, people don't realize I was there in a blow up boat doing that. And what happened with me, and it happened at the Lower Lake, is my dad and everybody was still old school. I mean, old school. We're talking about Smitty Worms going to a Thrifties and buying a five pack of uh, Mister Twister four inch smoke sickle tails. And that was in the, 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 the era of Don Ivino and drop shot and doodling and, you know, the Kramers and Jones. And, and, and I remember being at the lower lake, and I did that. I was a kid. I was, I was getting pretty proficient at it. And my dad would troll for trout at Cass Steak. And I remember sitting there with Leadline one time, and I said, hey, we're throwing these big wood plugs at Pyramid for stripers. I'm going to start fishing these. While Dad's trolling for trout, I'm going to start trolling them at, at the lower lake. And I remember my dad would laugh at me, and I'd put the rod there, and I'd go to sleep in the front of the aluminum boat, and we'd go by guys like Butch Brown and, and Mark and a bunch of the old school guys. And one day, I, I don't know how old I was. I wasn't even a teenager. The rod bent over, and I caught a 10-pounder on the plug. Oh. And I looked at my dad, and my dad said, what just happened? And I said, it's, it's game on. Like it's, and I was a kid. And my dad, for years... It took my dad a good 10, 15 years before he even got the concept of throwing a lot of big baits consistently for bass. But that's how it started. I mean, I remember going by guys like Butch Brown anchored up throwing crawdads at the lower lake. And I'm trolling lead line in an aluminum boat, big wood plugs. And that and that's kind of how it started for me. And then as it went, man, it went. I had 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 pounders. And dad, it took dad probably a good... I'd say about a good 10 years, I finally got him up to the lower lake, or the upper lake on a good top water, you know, uh, during the front in October after they started planting trout. <clears throat> he, he caught some, you know, 10 to 12-pound bass, and those were the biggest fish my dad ever caught at the time. So, I mean, it was a, it was just a really crazy transition, and, and I think, I know Dan or uh, Stan knows and stuff, we didn't have the education like people have nowadays. The kids, it's Ooh. so funny, they could... They could get on Instagram and Twitter, and it's instantaneous knowledge and information. <clears throat> Back there, I'll tell you the thing, and we could call Harry the Hat and Gary Harrison. I was trolling lead line out of a nine-foot seagull in the upper lake, and I and Harry the Hat was there, and he was watching me, and I was going by. I said, hey, do you mind if I troll by the center point in the marina? And he goes, whatever, you knucklehead. And I was trolling <laughs> swim baits. Sorry. And, you know, <laughs> And I went by, and I hooked up. I had an eight-pounder. And Harry looked at me. He goes, whoa. And I went and weighed it, and I came back, and I had another eight-pounder. And I had a nine-pounder. And I had a 10-pounder, and I had a 12-pounder. And I went by him five times, and I had five fish up to 12 pounds lead lining. And Harry looked at me, and this is right around the 90s, and I was in a, a blow-up boat. And he goes, hey, you want to be a tournament partner? And Harry was one of my first tournament partners. Guys don't remember. Way back when there was uh, ABA and one bash. Sure. And we, I, I went out and bought a 14-foot uh, uh, Terry bass boat. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> it was a 130-quart uh, cooler in the back for the live well. And uh, Harry and the Hat and I fished tournaments out of that back in the day when he was doing the hat trick plug. And I was building my wood plugs, which they were called Moby. Moby and Orca was some of my original wood plugs that uh, I built for a few guys back in the day. So just now, great. Now, also, the bass that we saw in the 90s yes are they have a lot different pattern of behavior than the bass that we see today and and you observed that pattern stan maybe you did but bill you start off when talking about the the bass of the 90s and oh. before that and and how it how 
and just explain to what you saw, and guys will know automatically how it differs from what we see today. Yeah, it's, and I, I think this goes for any generation of people doing something different, new, cutting edge. Um, I, Al Linder would say the same thing for the muskie and the walleyes back east. Back in the day, you know, you got to give credit like to Dan Worm and a few of the guys throwing the bigger baits and tubes. Um, I went really quick crazy. I went to the far extreme. To, uh, I got hooked up with uh, Pete Cormier from Deadly Duo. I started making tubes with him that were 12 inches long, and I went to a place they called the Dead Sea, Casitas. And I spent. Yay! Yep. And, and I was I was uh, um, a fireman. You know, I was a fireman, so I had 10 days work, and I fished 20 days a month. And I went up there, and I remember during the tournaments, they were saying, hey, you know, Aaron Martin's going to win with 12, 12 to 15 pounds. This place is the Dead Sea. You're not going to see a lot of big fish. Um, Tom and a lot of guys at the, the shack, they're like, it's, it's tough up here. And I went out there, and I said, I'm going to do some research, and I'm going to watch the fish. And what I saw back there from the 90s to 2000 from all these lakes is it was literally untapped. I was throwing baits that the fish technically always saw because I was, creating a, I was creating an illusion of something they eat, a big ball of shad or a big trout. <clears throat> I saw wolf packs of bass that were 50 to 100 strong that would be like orcas um, in the full moon of October to November off the outside flats of the, the airport and orchard and stuff. They would corral balls of bait fish that I literally watched, and they'd do circles around these balls of bait fish or my big tubes. And I, and, I, and I showed my dad seen it and Mike Jones seen it. I've had it happen seven or eight times at different lakes where you're sitting there and you have a 10-pounder come underneath this ball, and in the ball of 50 to 100 bass, there's fish 10 to 20 pounds. And as time went by, pressure, um, lack of trout plants, quagga mussels, lake closing down, uh, water being th- – there are so many things and variables that happen that uh, – I know personally, I will never see what I saw, you know, 25, 30 years ago. No. I, I will. But that, and, I, and Stan, correct me if I'm wrong, we're in a place, California, the West Coast, we're truly cutting-edge people. We do things out, outside the box, and I think what happens is we do have the saltwater and freshwater combination that we have so much knowledge that crosses so many boundaries, and our fishing season is so long compared to some other seasons back east that our knowledge base, we're always learning and doing stuff. And I think that's why West Coast is so incredible out here. I agree. I think the, the West Coast has been the cutting edge of, of fishing, especially for big fish technology, if you want to call it that. A- absolutely. Hey, for it's, it's for the learning the curves. I mean, you were talking about Harry the Hat. Harry and the Hat and I, uh, we worked together as guides at Casitas. Um yeah, especially with all the Japanese crowd coming in way back when, and I, I, I knew. Uh, I mean, uh, Bill and his dad back when were a duo. It was it was fun to watch. Uh, growing up with each other, we've been fishing around each other for years. You know, uh, since the beginning, basically. Come to think of it, and watching all of the different things that have come into play, and how Bill's been involved with the. If you ever get a chance to go fishing with Bill, I suggest it highly. He's very creative, always has been, always comes up with little things, little peaks and tweaks, but that's the secret of being really a good tournament fisherman, too. Good tournament fishermen are always trying to figure out what's the next little thing I can do to peak and tweak this to make it something different. And like you'd sub, Billy, the guys today can go online and they can learn everything we taught them, if you want to call it that. 
Yeah. Um, The guys that were fishing the big wood, and we were making them in our garages up there because Harry was making the the hat baits and whatever else. And, and you you know, you got to give credit to, like, even Dana and and, um, the TNT, Darren. You know, yeah. 65 pounds for five fish. That was uh, that was actually was that the seven fish or six fish limit? That see, and that, that that's the thing in history. Guys forgot that that time frame we had we had a little bit bigger weights um, at at that time frame when they did it. But yeah, and that's when guys. I mean, look at old school names like Todd Holder was sitting there. He had 35 pounds in the boat in the first couple hours eating sandwiches. Thought he had the tournament won. He thought he had it won. <laughs> and then, and the next and he'd throw it out eating the sandwich and another you know a teen fish eat it while he's sitting there dead sticking the bait which created another technique of learning. And, and this John Ed Wilder and Jay Poor came in with oh. with like fifty something and thought they had it nailed down. And Dana yeah. Rosen and Darren came in with sixty five a little later. I mean, it was like wow. <laughs> you know, it's standing standing build the the thing that is unique is that this different method of fishing using the big baits, the development of the swim baits was from these people that noticed that Castaic and San Vicente, these were not uh, Paris. They were not dead seas. It's just to the fish that at a particular time of the year, the fish were doing something different. And our regular ways of catching them that we might catch them like in the spring or in the fall were completely different. And it was taking a little while to recognize that, hey, we've got to do something different to get these things. These right. fish are here. They're still eating, but we're just not doing the right thing. Well, so that was the learning curve. That was the thing that like, well, Bill was talking about. You know, what he was doing was outside the box for a lot of everybody else's. I mean, I fish with uh, Mike Arujo. Mike Arujo yeah. got his big fish out of Castaic. Anaranowski, which was the first rubber bait that swim bait that was ever a uh, big fish was caught on all this, this arena that we grew up in because um, we were in a steep learning curve i mean it was there was a group of guys that fished castaic and casitas because those were really those were our lakes yeah. hey guys we got to take a break right now and I, I hope for some of you we're not getting too geeky out here but uh man this is fun talking about and and we're going to talk about a lot of things further that i don't think a lot of you realize that just where do the baits that we see today how they developed how they came from we're going to touch on some of that but we got to take a commercial break right now this is rod real radio on am 540 or at rodreelradio.com stan windy and our special guest bill simatel we'll be back after these messages Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. 
H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Captain Chris Rando from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those of you who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. Hey, Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. So's Wendy Toshahar. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. And we've got our special guest with us tonight. Mr. Bill Semitel, a lot of people, you know Bill from Spro Products. He uh, was the designer of the BBZ 8-inch bait, and then later on the BBZ 6-inch uh, bait, the 4-inch bait, a lot of BBZ swim baits. <laughs> and then he's also the designer of the BBZ Rat and the soon to come out on the market, the BBZ 50 and the B, uh, the BBZ Rat 50 and the BBZ Rat 40. But what? Let me, let me, let me. Go back here. I'm going to give credit where credit's due here. I, I had fished with uh, Bill. I fished around Bill. We knew each other from just being fishing against each other in tournaments for years. Uh, and his dad was on the pond when we were pre-fishing. We weren't running around there. I mean, it goes way, way back. The first time I got a chance to fish with Bill, um, it, in a boat together, was on Irvine, and which I was 
thrilled to oh, get out there. My I, and gosh, that, actually, that's that, right. And that's yeah. where, and at, I was bringing Wendy in because I'd met her. She was working in Irvine back then and brought her in to do radio with Captain Ron and I back when. But when, when Billy and I got a chance to actually fish together, we got a chance to talk and I got a chance to listen to his thinking. Because I've had a chance to fish with the best of the best of the fishing world. I'm blessed. And Bobby Garland, I can't even tell you how many different guys I've had a chance to play with and fish with in the, in the arena. But fishing with Billy, we've got the yakking about the different styles of fishing. It that, and he had techniques that I'd never tried. I mean, one of them was that was a small little little hair fly on a bobber. Jig. That was yeah, my crappie jig. The bobber crappie thing, and then and, and how he would catch smallmouth on it. I go really now, and we we talked a bunch about all the different things that we were doing in the in Castaic and Casitas at that trip. And I'm going, you know, this guy's really got a lot of knowledge and a lot of techniques that these, you know, that he gets a chance to use. I mean, I learned a, I learned. I learned something fishing all the time, but I learned a lot fishing with him that day. Little little things that make a difference. Um, but what I'm what I want to tell you is the world doesn't know the creativity of this man. Where there are a ton of baits out there that everybody could make a swim bait. We were making them in our garages because nobody else made them. I was, you know, you get a chair leg and cut it in half and put some swivels on it and and then a couple of hinges and some hooks and paint it, and it was ugly. But they would catch fish back when. Uh, you can learn how to wake a bait with wood on casitas and castaic, and 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 they would come up and eat it. But Billy took the knowledge that he had learned on this and made baits where everybody else was making a bait they hoped worked. Billy could make a bait that worked, and that's really the difference. And I gotta give you credit, Bill. You've done a great job putting the baits together from the little flies from uh, where you brought your knowledge to Spro and started working with the guys there and putting the baits together you made that really work that people can go to, and they don't have to ask, or, I, will this work? You make a bait that works. Well, I appreciate that. And, Billy, that that's I guess, leads to the question, you know, you've designed all these baits for Spro that have your name on it. A lot of guys don't even know your your name. What, what was that defining moment, that aha moment when you said, hey, the, the big bait, the swim bait or whatever it is, this is going to be the wave of the future. <clears throat> well, that's uh, you always have that aha moment, and people seriously, everybody has it, but some people don't realize it. It happened when I was trolling uh, the wood plug with my dad, leadlining when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. He's trolling a Phoebe behind the boat, flatlining for trout. I'm leadlining, uh, you know, a homemade ten-inch wood plug I made. And getting broke off, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, but the thing was, is we were doing the same thing. And what he was doing is he was using a smaller profile. A Phoebe is no different body shape than a big swim bait. And then when we ended the striper fishing and using the big sassy shads and the, the big uh, Big Macs and uh, the red fins and all this other stuff, I learned a lot one time when I was at Cast Ake. I mean, it, it's def- definitely a stomping ground. The techniques the guys were using, you know, um, Don Evito doing doodling, just doing a do-nothing with the dart head, um, even to the drop shot, uh, the Carolina Oregon crawdads, all of these techniques had a specific technique to it. I was willing to go one step further to create an illusion bait or a realism bait, and that's why 
those big tubes, and, I, and no one really ever got what I was doing back in the 80s and 90s with the monster tubes at Casitas, is instantaneously they're going, you're, you're representing trout. The moment I put a tube together, I was representing a ball of shad. I fished it different. I mimicked what shad did in the water. I created what the bait were doing. So I was, I was basically becoming the prey. When I got into the swim bait arena, when guys, and, and Stan will be there, it's like back in the day to catch the limit in December at uh, Castake, guys were throwing little Georges, and they were yep. doing a pendulum. Well, a little George on eight-pound string throwing it out and pendulum through the water column over these points in the wintertime, it was no different than I was putting on an old Optimum that I helped Sean Donovan make back in the day or, or a peak or a mirror, you know, a fat tail, you know, big bite bait or a cast ache. I was doing the exact same technique in the same exact areas where the big fish lay, but I was using a bait that, that the fish were triggering or keying in on at the time. And it's what Stan and Wendy was talking about right now in the ocean. They're keying in on the smaller baits. At one time, before, in, in September, July, August, September, October, fish are keyed in on bait fish. I represented with the tube and everything that technique. Once they started planting trout, it takes about two months for the bass to really kick in on the trout. Then I'd have a crossover from the tube to the swim baits. And when those fish started getting away from that shad bite in all these lakes and then started targeting these big swim baits, guys were throwing dart heads at them. I was doing the thing, but my dart head was 12 inches long. I was fishing the same thing. So I, I looked at this world in a whole different arena. And I think the, the cool thing is I wasn't clouded because there was no information out there. I fished with guys, Harry the Hat and guys, and they looked at me and shook their heads and going, you're crazy. What you're doing is absolutely crazy. And tell guys like Stan, and I got to give credit, I love the guys, you know, like um, John Ed and Jay Poor. Well, Jay Poor was doing stuff with Bruce over there at Bastrix, and they were big, big tubes and stuff, and I was fishing tournaments against them. And I remember looking out, I'd come in with big fish at Casitas by myself and win the tournament. And Dan Worm would hate me, and they would hate me, and, and Stan would hate me. You go, you're lucky, you're lucky, you're lucky. And then after a couple of years, I remember Jay Poor coming up to me and shaking me, my hand one time. He goes, I guess it's not luck, you know. And I just I, I saw that aha moment when I was little, and that's what people need to do. They need to find that aha moment, and it happens all the time. Shadow effects, shadow tides, sundialing yourself. Anything that you throw out there, any bait, doesn't matter if it's live bait, or artificial. If you create something, Stan did something really interesting if people really paid attention. I don't ocean fish that much, but he said he uses braided line to mono to fluorocarbon. On the on the, the split, he leaves a longer tag and he puts a split shot down there so it doesn't mess up the line. Or he pins the bait fish on the belly so it drops horizontally. He's doing a reverse fat, a fat fly, a floating fly. If I had a bobber on the surface and had a float and fly jig and it suspended horizontally <clears throat> and stayed there, it's no different than him pinning a bait fish like that and it's slowly just trying to swim and keep upright and the line, the, the belly of the hook is the keel and it's sitting there. There's no difference and that's how I look at things. I take things to a whole different the, level. The nth degree, <laughs> yeah, because but, it, but it's for me, it's just it's it's me breathing. I, I just see stuff so simplistic in that aspect. I I like it. Billy, to, Billy, no, go you, on, Stan. I was going to say, don't you feel like I mean the guys that have been around that have been successful for a long time in our bass fishing arena? Uh, I think have more creativity that's built in. I don't know what I don't know another way to say that other than you know they get it. 
um, they they see things a little bit, and they go, you know what, I can do this, I can make this work, and this is how how to make it work okay. the right way. You have the talent. There's a lot of the guys that you fished around and and with, and we we have been blessed to be able to know and and be around and work with the people that built the arena that we fish in, which is cool because we get to test drive a lot of different baits and and lures and figure out how to make them work better. Yeah, the the knowledge base, and like I said, when. When you see these younger kids, which is, is phenomenal, and one of the things I was going to say in the last segment we were talking is the West Coast, I mean, we're still innovators, and, and we're, we're the tip of the sword for, for so many different techniques, tools that accomplish the techniques. But what people are listening, I mean, they need to get on the Internet. They need to listen to Rod and Roll Radio. They need to listen to this. And as they take that thing and they start listening to this now, from Oregon, Washington, Texas, you know, Maine. You go across the, the country and across the world, there are so many Castaic Lakes and Casitas's and Pyrus and Parises that are untapped that the techniques that we, we built here, they work everywhere. And, and that goes into, like, the lures. A lot of the stuff I'm designing, I'm not designing crazy stuff. I'm designing stuff that that mimics real life or it it fits within a pattern that is simplistic and that everybody's used for the last hundred years. And I'm I'm, I'm still keeping right in the same frame. I'll give you one. The perfect example here, uh, when Dick Trask started split-shotting all these little plastic baits and just kicking everybody's tush. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and and I would go, I'd never do that. I would never do that. At about the third tournament that he won, I'm going, I better learn how to do that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and that was in, and to understand that and Dick, and I mean, I talked to him when I was a kid and I fished against him and he was a character. I tell you that much. Man. Yeah, he was. But, but when you looked at the technique and you go, okay, he's, he's dragging on four to six pound tests, a split around number two and, you know, a, a straight shank blue mustad and a little worm. It could be a Smitty or a, a Screamer or whatever it was at the time. Or a little Haddock twin tails. Yeah, he yeah. loved that stuff. So, so he did that. Now you look at that. Now what is different than that than a guy back east throwing a, a half ounce to a one ounce Carolina rig with a big lizard that, that's eight to ten inches long. But he did it before we knew about the guys throwing that 8 to 10 inch lizard. He was doing it before they made the 8 to 10 inch lizard. Right, but the hard part is, is back then we didn't have the communication. I mean, his True. his knowledge and his his name going back east, it stopped locally. And that's the crazy thing. Like a lot of kids, they look at me and like you stand there going, Bill who? It's like, well, you know, I had my I have my imprint or my DNA or, you know, whatever you want to say or my fingerprints on a lot of the swim baits and the techniques, and it goes back, literally, it's funny, 30 years. 30 years, it's gone. And, I mean, the cast ache, you know, and Huddleston, and, you know, I worked with Rago, and I, I worked with so many people and, and had so much influence and, and learned from them as much as helped them for, for almost 30 years. And then, luckily, you know, shoot, it's been 10 years now. Tim Norton with Spro came up to me one time at the show, and he said, hey, this is what we got. What do you think? And I said, uh, can I say it on the air? It's not very good. It's horrible. It's, it's, it's poop. <laughs> and he says, uh, come over here and show us show us something. And, and we kept building. And next thing you know, like I said, that the BBZ is just a big bass zone. It, was, it kind of mimicked the book Mike Jones and I wrote and um, to teach people how to catch fish. It didn't matter what lure you're going to use. We're teaching techniques. 
And if you if you wanted a boot tail and, and wanted to fish that, you can. If you wanted to do the Spro BBZ one, you can. If you wanted to do a Huddleston, you can. We Spro wanted to teach people how to catch fish, and <clears throat> my catalyst was the swim bait was a BBZ. Is I wanted to make sure. We got reasonable baits out there where people didn't have to spend two or three hundred dollars on hand carvings. Because my dad used to sell them. I did. I mean, we sold a piece of wood leg for one hundred and fifty bucks. And chair leg, chair legs were at a premium that day. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, you, 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 we lost so many of the kids and so many of the people on teaching them how to fish and enjoying and and seeing what I saw. And it goes right back to the the last stuff we did with the, the rat, the Spro BBs one rat. All right. Hey, we got to take a break right now. We will have more Bill Semitel. We're going to we're going to get you up to date on what's happening in the Big Bass Zone, the BBZ Zone and talk a little bit about uh how the uh uh the uh the BBZ swim bait came about and talk about this rat that Bill's talking to, but we got to take a break right now. This is Ron Real Radio on AM 540. Stan, Wendy, Bill Semitel and myself will be back after these messages. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth, moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. My angler aged to earth. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate talk like a pirate day. Aye. I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. It's tuna time, and it's time to reserve your spot on one of the newest boats in the fleet, the 70-foot Sea Adventure 2 at H&M Landing in San Diego. It has a really comfortable galley that seats up to 24 passengers with all the comforts of home, including two big satellite flat-screen TVs and satellite phone. The huge new bait tank and slammer ensure plenty of bait for everyone, and two four-ton refrigerated fish holds, both RSW and blast-free, have plenty of room to keep your catch as fresh as the minute you caught it. Reserve your spot on the Sea Adventure 2 online 
at hmlanding.com or call H&M Landing at 619-222-1144. Hey, we do want to welcome you back to our Ron Real Radio. Well, as we announced earlier in the show, we tried to get Matt Santora on the show with us. Uh, he and his partner, Andy Vo, they caught what could be the largest fish of the year off our Southern California coast, maybe the century, just last week, nine miles off the San Diego coast, they came up with a 662-pound blue marlin. This is the largest marlin to come out, out of Southern California water since 1931. They're waiting their fish over at the uh, San Diego Marlin Club, and the largest previous record was a 390-pound marlin that came to the scales in 1980. In August of 1931, there was a 692 marlin that was weighed in at the Balboa uh, Club in Orange County. And the largest fish that was ever weighed in that came out of California waters was a 1,098-pound uh, shortfin mako shark, and that was in 2010. Now, the, 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 the great story about uh, uh, Matt and uh, Andy is that they caught this fish on a 21-foot skiff. took them two and a half hours to bring in the fish. They call it on a marlin jig. The interesting story was, well, when you're 10 miles off the coast and you have a 600-pound-plus fish, how do you get that back into shore? Well, apparently, they found someone that was close to them that had actually a hook and line that they could hoist the fish up and put it into the boat and then they went into the Marlin Club and waded in. So we want to congratulate Matt and Andy on their sensational catch, a 662-pound blue Marlin that was caught, caught last week off the Southern California coast. Nice you know, job, guys. It's, it's an amazing year. On our five-day, we pulled up on a Cal Patty 40 miles from, from uh, uh, San Diego, and there was a 400 a 500-pound blue marlin under the kelp patty with all the Dorado and everything else. There were three moose striped marlin around it that the guys hooked. The, the blue marlin didn't want to eat right away, but I think one of the guys hooked up to him, and and uh, all we know is with 50-pound lines, he got spooled or almost the hook bent, and he got it back. But the, that fish, the fact that we just have that big fish around is amazing. The hammerheads that we've got around our arena out here fishing. I mean, we've had some, we saw huge hammerheads. I've seen more hammerheads this year than I've ever seen in my life out in the ocean. So the the fishery has been incredible. We we keep saying it over and over and over. You have a 600-pound blue out here off Southern California. There's been some big ones hooked that never got into the boat. It's been a phenomenal year. I remember when Chris hooked that big mako shark and got it in. That was phenomenal, too, but still to hook the big blue marlin we don't get blue marlin in california that's just a weird situation and it's fun to watch well we hope to be going out on the sea adventure too we leave in about an hour <laughs> or so i don't know if we're going to hope to get any 662 pound marlin but i think uh, we're going to go out there and get our share and that's why bill Semitel is with me he's going to be going on out there and bill you're now working with uh, spro products yeah. Good friend of ours, as you said, Tim Norman originally brought you on ten years ago. I can't believe it I was know. that. You know what was it though that you thought you could offer 
to Spro because you'd had your hands in the design of all different types of swim baits. Whether or not guys want to admit it or not, if they're fishing a swim bait today of a number of different manufacturers, part of it was uh, designed or the idea came up with or it was you know, put into somebody's head by Bill here. What happened with Spro that was different when you, uh, uh, you know, brought up uh, the idea of a swim bait to them? No, well, actually, Tim, Tim's the one who says, how do we go about this? And I, I just said, hey, you know what? I've worked with enough companies. <clears throat> I see where it's going, and we're, we're kind of standstill on the West Coast. We, we have some great product, but the, the price point's killing us. And if I come aboard, can we make something and get the price point down where we can teach people? My whole thing is about teaching people and, and trying to learn new techniques and, and new new lures to catch bigger and better fish and he he said yeah he said you come up with it we'll build it and we won't come out to market until you give it the okay and we'll put a price point on it that hopefully everybody in the world can start fishing and and learn what we're doing out here um instead of spending you know 60 100 200 300 for a bait you know bill and we were talking about your aha moment and i think that was an aha moment in the industry and Spro was a leader in that. There used to be a time when these manufacturers would come up with a type of design and maybe they'd fish it, yeah, okay, it seems good, and then they'd get some pro to put their name on it and brand it. And Spro was one of the first people to come along that went to the pro and said, how can we make this thing better? You design it for us, and if we can make it, we'll sell it. And right. You started that out. Same right. with Dean Rojas. Well, Dean, you got to give credit. Dean did. Dean started Spro in that aspect. So, he started that whole process with the frog, the bronze eye frog, and oh. then, and then we uh, went into the swim baits, and then you got guys like John Cruz with the crank bait, and Mike McClellan with, with the rip bait, and you know Russ Lane with his crank. We have such an array of talented fishermen on Spro that are experts in their field. And, you know, I'm the crazy swim bait guy, everything else. So they're one of the few companies that that target fishermen that know what they're doing and then build lures around their techniques. And you don't get that. And that's what changed a lot of this industry. It, it really did. And, and like I said, it comes down to now, you know, look at everything I've done. Look at everything that's Dean done. These baits, you don't see a bad product that Spro comes out with. No. You really don't. I mean, they all catch fish. And the price point's there. Yeah, you know, and, and that's – it's incredible. So, Bill, let's uh, just interrupt you for a minute. And Jr. has been able to make contact with Matt Santora, and we just talked about Matt and the amazing catch that he had of his blue marlin. Matt, we have you on. We don't have much time left in the show, but welcome to Rod and Reel Radio, and congratulations, sir. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Hey, uh, uh, we've got uh, about uh, – uh, five minutes or so left in the show here. Uh, just quickly, if you can, kind of condense it. Tell us about your record catch. Oh, man, the condensed version. Um, head out early in the morning. Um, I just uh, talked to my marina mate about, you know, catching some marlin and maybe some wahoo, and he had the same plan. So, like, cool, we'll canvas the same area. Um, kind of went out there at 15. The, the reel started going. And uh, I just thought it was a, a really heavy wahoo, maybe 80-pound wahoo, because it was just dumping line off the spool. And uh, once I picked it up, I'm like, oh, my God, this is way too heavy. I'm like, it's got to be a marlin, but where is it? And then all of a sudden, 
boom, launches out of the water, starts tail walking the whole nine yards. We knew it was a blue mall, and I'm like, oh, dude, it's got to be at least 350 pounds. And we were so stoked it's a big blue. <laughs> like, we had no clue how much it weighed. I mean, you know, I'm like, maybe it's four, like, halfway to the front. I'm like, 425? So it's kind of hard, hard to imagine that that fish is in our waters. But um, I don't know if you heard, there's a couple out of uh, Dana that were um, 600 plus as well. So I'm pretty confident, and a lot of my buddies are too, that there's a, there's a grander or two or three out here right now. And uh, the next week, two, maybe even three, is the time to potentially uh, get on that. I, uh, I kind of have no doubt someone's going to catch one bigger than me. At least I'm, I'm hopeful somebody will. What um, did that fish eat? Uh, it was a custom lure. It was a crane lure that my buddy poured for me, and then I rigged it. Um, I started a offshore apparel company called Finbomb, and um, basically we just go all the time out, and I'm working with other vendors and kind of you know promoting their product, my product, and we go out, take pictures and whatever. So um, I was pulling his bait. Um, it was custom one made. It even had my Finbomb logo inside it, and it just swallowed the whole thing and ran off and. It was the most perfect hook set you could have ever begged for. I mean, it was just in <laughs> underneath one side and out the top. The barb was sticking out. I mean, it was like he was not getting off. It was it swam exactly the way I wanted it to. It was rigged perfectly to just lock it in there tight. And honestly, we needed it. Well, you know, a uh, bruiser. Matt, you <laughs> and Andy did a great job teaming on up because you're only in a 21 foot skiff. But you know, the question is, I tried to explain it. When you brought that fish in after a two-hour fight, was it still alive? And then the second thing, how did you get it back to the Marlin Club? Awesome, awesome question. Um, and that's what we were trying to figure out throughout the whole fight is what are we going to do if, once we get to the boat. So at we have to be day 15, 10, 15 comes around, I have it at swivel. And I'm like, all right, so let's check this thing out. Is it safe to bring to the boat? Are we going to kill ourselves? Or are we going to break the boat? Like, what's going to happen, you know? So um, I kind of pull on the line a bit, and I'm like, there's just no way. This thing's too hot. So I let her run another 45 minutes to an hour. So the whole thing ended up being about, like, two hours, 45 minutes, like three hours. Once I pulled on it the second time, after three hours, I'm like, all right. It was just full commitment. We got to just get this thing. I mean, it's such a big fish. When we saw it, it was just like, oh, my God. It's, it's literally more than half the size of <laughs> And I mean the tail, the tail measured four feet wide. Wow, it is a monster. So basically, the deal was get it close. Um, I had my buddy Andy. He was driving with me, and he was awesome. He's a freaking stud. Uh, we just just yelling at each other the whole time. Teamwork, 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 and, and to do it. But basically, um, uh, I had the rod in my left hand, and he took the first like wrap or two, and then I said, "Cool, run to the back, grab that tail rope." So my left hand's on the rod. I'm taking wraps in my right hand all the way down. Once you get close enough, I just grab the bill and then slam my rod in a rod holder. Two hands on the bill, and then this guy, Andy, he, did, he just killed it, got uh, the, the tail up over all four feet of the tail. Once we had that, like, the first side of relief, then it was like, okay, how do we, like, what do we, what are we even do with this thing? Because when, when it came up, we knew that it was, it was not going to live. Like, it came up, belly up, and side, then belly so that's why we tail wrapped it. We knew we couldn't release it. It would probably just sink to the bottom of the ocean. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I, I, I like marlin eating. It's good. I, don't, I usually release my marlin, but um, I, I enjoy it. So once I knew that it was probably going to die, um, I decided let, let's just safely take this thing in. So, um, you know, we tried to dispatch it the best way, fast, the fastest way possible, but a fish that big, just, it just doesn't want to die. It's, it's, it's a brute. 
So um, finally we got to where it was just, you know, super, super chill, and we felt confident. I mean, it was calm, obviously, as it came up. That's why I knew it wouldn't, wouldn't survive, but you, you still get really nervous because it's that big. But um, basically just after the tail rope, you know, I was like, we're, we're trying to lift it. We didn't do any gaff stuff because you're not going to gaff this fish and drag it on. It's way too big for two guys anyway, so why screw up the meat? And um, Called my buddy who had some pulleys. He met us. Um, we docked our boats together. Uh, three pulleys to the front, back, front, back, and we were able to actually pull it bill first over the back of the transom and then it just laid down. And once the, once the 300 pounds of the fish was on the boat, it started to kind of slide momentum and just, like, laid right in. Wow. But the huge tail was, like, over the back. I mean, like, my boat, the fin bomb, is 21 foot, and it's just, like, overwhelmed by this monster animal inside of it. It's, it was, like, the coolest sight ever to see it inside there. And know that it, it, we did it safely. We did it together. Um, and it was like, all right, let's go weigh this thing. You know, we got it. We had plenty of ice. We had ice the whole way back. Uh, wet towels, the whole nine yards. We got it weighed. It's already been processed. We already had some of it last night for dinner. Um, it's awesome, and it's really cool, too, to, you know, we, we post it on our Instagram. It's um, just at Finbomb is the Instagram. And we showed people, like, you know, hey, we're actually eating this. It's not just a trophy. It's awesome that, it, that, that it's a big fish and it's an accomplishment, but we're eating every last bit of it. It's, it was just a, a crazy thing. And the fact that it went viral, I mean, took me super oh. by shock. I mean... Well, TV, you know, a radio, magazine, everybody's calling. It was just seven well, Matt, hours of... Mick, Matt, congratulations on official lifetime. We're going to go way, way over time over here. We want to thank okay. you, though, for calling up. And, and your enthusiasm and your excitement, just uh, tell the whole story. Uh, thanks a lot, and we hope to connect with you again. And we appreciate you taking the time to give us a call. No, it's completely my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. All right. And Bill Simitel, thank you for being here quickly. Uh, the sponsors that keep you going. Oh, you know, uh, I can't be here without Spro Gamagatsu. Mercury, I got picked up with them last year. They're phenomenal. Basscat, Shimano, Maxima Fishing Line Germany, still taking care of me. Oh, yeah. They're international pro staffer. Lawrence Power Poles, and uh, Team Davies, the Ventana drop shot that I designed with uh, Steve a couple years ago. So I, I'm here with them. You know, they, they help me. They keep me out on the water. And for Matt out there, yeah. I want to fish. That, that might be a little bit. I, I might run out of time and need some Advil for my back, but he did an outstanding job. That's a lifetime fish. All right. We want to thank you for being We didn't get a chance to even tell the whole story. I hope we get an opportunity to talk to you again, Bill, and uh, thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Stan and Wendy, thanks a lot. Uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you next week. Well, you know what? Good luck to you two guys. Go out there and catch the heck out of them. We'll talk to you next week. No, I'll be in Cabo next week. I got two boats lined up to go critique what they're doing and, and maybe out, re-outfit their boats. So I've got a job to do down in Cabo, and then we'll be back. We'll talk then. How's that? All right, Bill. Yeah, and uh, guys, uh, you know, my website, the big, you know, the bbz.com. If anybody needs to get a hold of me, or I got a lot of information on teaching people how to fish, all kinds of fishing. We just came back from the Arctic Circle, catching lake trout, you know, up to 30-plus pounds. So everybody can get a hold of me there, too, if they need any other information. All right. Wendy, thanks a lot, too. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, too, for all the information on uh, on the fishing line. Hey, on behalf of JR, also Ben Harvey, our uh, local producer, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill, and Eddie McEwen, we want to thank you all for listening tonight. Stay safe. We'll see you on the water. Good night, everybody. We're out for now.